Welcome to Noblesville First to our online worship on June 28th of 2020. We are in the midst now of our summer worship series that we're focusing on the Ten Commandments. We're calling it God is Still Speaking, the Ten Commandments for today. This time I invite you to join with me in our call to worship. Ascribe to the Lord, O heavenly beings. Ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe glory to the Lord's name. Worship the Lord in holy splendor. you join me in prayer. Lord God, bless this day. May this worship we offer this morning rise up as incense to you. Open our hearts to be molded by you once again, God, that our ways would move to be more and more like your ways, and our thoughts would be of you and your love and your kingdom. Give us the strength and courage to take your kingdom with us as we go, that all would see your love through our actions. As we fill this time with praise, we ask that you fill us with your love. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, good morning. I'm Pastor Paul Ernst, one of the pastors of Parish Care here at Noblesville First. And it's a real honor to be with you here this morning in worship and a privilege. And I'd like now to share our parish joys and concerns with you. Jenny and Jim Camp are asking for prayers for Jim as he prepares for surgery this week. And as we pray for this concern, we can also pray prayers of thanksgiving for Patricia Leverage and for Beth Russell, who have both had positive medical reports. And for Lauren Williams, who was scheduled to have eye surgery, but instead he's able to receive the gift of healing through ongoing non-surgical treatments. And our congratulations 
to Bill and Chris Turk, who are the proud grandparents of Lion William Turk, son of David and Rachel Turk of Champaign, Illinois. Lion was born on Tuesday. Congratulations. And finally, let's hold in our prayers all those whose needs are unknown to us, but are known to our Savior and healer, Jesus Christ. If you would like your prayer concerns to be shared, if you would like to share them with the care team or any of our prayer warriors, you can go to the prayer request link on our Noblesville First website, or you can use our Noblesville First app where the prayer request form is easily available. And please don't hesitate to contact your pastoral care team for any pastoral needs, including upcoming surgeries. And you can do that either by emailing care at noblesvillefirst.com or you can call the care line at 317-773-2590. Or if you prefer, you can just call the church office at 317-773-2500. Would you join me now in the call to prayer? I will speak the first line. Uh, and then we'll all respond together with the same response each time, which is, hear our prayers, O Lord. Come to our aid, loving God. Hear our prayers, O Lord. We stand in need of your mercy. Hear our prayers, O Lord. Listen to us now as we pray. Hear our prayers, O Lord. Open our eyes to your works and our hearts to your words of life. Hear our prayers, O Lord. And now our prayer hymn this morning is Savior, like a shepherd, lead us. As we come to this time of our pastoral prayer this morning, 
Let's take a moment to gather in our hearts and lift up our confessions, petitions, and thanksgivings to God in silent prayer. O oh God, you are our refuge. Do not allow us to be shaken in the midst of all the confusing change in our world. You are infinitely good and our only hope. We confess that we are too often silent to injustice and to the hope of the gospel. We are often much more vocal in our political and tribal allegiances than we are about our trust in you. We are a people in need of healing because we are a people too often engaged in wounding one another. We spend time and effort defending our own name while we neglect to lift up yours. Lord, it sometimes seems that evil is winning while we worship at the altar of many false gods. O oh God, help us when we fail to follow your instructions to love you with all we are and to love others. Turn our hearts to you. Help us to see ourselves in the mirror of your laws, your teachings. Help us to learn how others see us and our words and our actions. Help us to understand that what we do and say as well as what we do not do and do not say, may inflict pain and fear on others. And then, Lord, we pray that you would grant us the wisdom to speak without judgment or preconception, to act out of understanding, not fear, and to deal with each other with humility, not arrogance. We pray for all of those who are suffering in any way from loss, from injustice, disease, or fear, that they may be comforted. Find justice, feel your healing, and know the joy of freedom from fear. We pray to you as our creator, our savior, and the one who taught us to pray in this way. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. A few announcements for us today. Our Teeter Outdoor Worship has begun, and it's offered at 10980 East 221st Street each Sunday at 8.15 and 10 a.m. Our online worship will continue right here on Facebook each morning, each Sunday morning at 9.30. And, of course, that can be viewed from our website anytime during the week. 
Our Teeter Farm Stand now has fresh produce available every Saturday morning from 9 o'clock to 12. The stand will be located at the entrance to the Teeter Retreat and Farm at the same address, 10980 East 221st Street. Our prayer gathering is now meeting every Monday from 11.30 to 12 as we pray over all the prayer requests submitted to us each week. And we have a special project we'd like to have you help us out with. Uh, We are preparing for Pastor Jill Moffitt's coming to Noblesville first. So help us out by submitting a photo to our square, our online database. Linda Wolf is gathering pictures of our over 200 active worshipers at Noblesville first who haven't yet posted a profile picture for our online database. The Square is a password-protected database, and it's not accessible to the general public. Those photos are a tremendous help to our church staff, and they'll be a great tool for Pastor Jill as she gets to know our congregation. So help us out by emailing a a picture to lindawolf at lwolf, with an E, at noblesofirst.com. Hi, Orange Express friends. Gosh, I have missed seeing you guys over the past several months. Uh, A few of us have been able to see one another out at Teeter Retreat and Farm. And I'm sure it won't be too much longer before we begin seeing each other again as we gather for church. Today, I just wanted to take a moment to let you know that I've decided to step down as Children's Ministry Coordinator. Now, you'll still see me and my family around. We're not going anywhere. I just wanted to let you know so that you and your parents wouldn't be wondering what happened. So this summer, I am going to be working as an intern with Katie and Lewis out at Teeter Farm. And then I'll go back to school full-time next fall, just like you all. Tom, you guys know Tom. So Tom Shriver McGrebby, the Director of Family Ministries, is going to be taking great care of you guys all during this transition. We're not yet sure what Orange Express is going to look like or when it will reconvene, but we are wanting to ensure that we're keeping health safety in the forefront. And for those of you wondering about Possum the Opossum, well, he's going to keep making appearances. See you all later. Bye. Hey, Possum. Ah, who are you and what do you want? Possum, settle down. It's me, Mason. Oh, hi, Mason. I'm over here, Possum. Oh, hi. So, why are you blindfolded? I'm trying to walk by faith. What does that have to do with a blindfold? Well, I remember reading in my Bible that Christians are to walk by faith and not by sight. So, I figured I'd try it out. I don't think that's what the verse meant. Why not? Well, does Pastor Jerry have faith? Of course he does. Is hearing a blindfold? I don't know. I can't see him. Okay, have you ever seen him wearing a blindfold? No, I guess not. But, Mason, I'm confused. If that's not what the verse meant, then how do I walk by faith? Well, let's see if we can figure that out. Okay. Alright, in Hebrews 11.1, Paul said that faith is the substance of things hoped for the evidence of things not seen i don't get it okay um 
Alright, let's say your mom and dad tell you that they're going to buy a new toy. Are you going to get that toy? Of course I am. How do you know that? Because they promised me that I would, that they would buy it for me. Then you had faith in your parents' promise. Oh, I see. But what does that have to do with walking by faith? Well, in Paul, Paul wrote that we should walk by faith. He meant that even though situations sometimes seem impossible, we don't have to worry because God has promised us that he would bring us through. So we can walk by faith and not just by what we see. Oh, so no matter how impossible something may seem, I can have faith that God is able to do it and God will do it. Yes, Possum, you don't need a blindfold to walk by faith. You just have to have trust in God. That sounds a lot easier. Uh, Mason, can you do me a little favor? Yeah, I guess. Can you help me with this blindfold? Sure. Wow, that is much better. Thanks, Mason. You're welcome, Possum. Uh, I'd better give this scarf back to my mom. Possum, did you take it from her? No. I asked her if I could use it, and she gave it to me. I don't think she knew I was going to use it for a blindfold, though. That's why I thought I'd better give it back. Well, bye! Bye! Our stewardship moment today lifts up the Dinners on Us team. Dinners on Us has had to find ways to adapt their ministry during the pandemic, and they have stepped up to the challenge. Each week, volunteers are still picking up food from donators and distributors, and now, instead of being able to serve a meal at the church, they are delivering that food directly to those in need. Teeter Farm has also been able to add to those food donations. If you'd like to know how you can get involved with the ongoing Dinners on Us ministry, please contact the church office. If you're looking for another way to serve in the coming weeks and months, our opportunity to serve this week is to consider becoming an usher or a greeter at our outdoor worship service. We would love to add to our list of volunteers to help direct the parking of cars, offering smiling eyes with your smiling teeth behind your mask, as well as assist with any other directions that need given. If you're interested in becoming a volunteer, again, please contact the church office. And now, as we enter into our time of offering, which is available online through our app or sending a check to the church, will you please join me in asking God to bless these gifts? God. Thank you for the opportunity to worship today. Thank you for your grace and love that abound to us fresh each day. As we prepare to give our gifts, tithes, and offerings, this morning we ask that you bless them and multiply them for your kingdom's work. Amen.
this is Kevin, Hayden, and Lori Emmert coming to you from Fort Myers Beach, Florida. Today's scripture is from Exodus 20, verses 1 through 3. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You will have no other gods before me. Please be sure to take advantage of the Faith First that's on our Noblesville First website. You'll find it under the worship tab. Just pull it down. There you'll find a series of scriptures that carry on this discussion and also some questions you can use for your own personal reflection or can be put to use in a small group or a growth group. Well, last week we launched our series by making the point that Orthodox Jews actually see the first commandment as starting with verse 2 that includes the words, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. So whether we consider it the first commandment or the prologue, either way, we have invited you to memorize this important declaration because it sets the stage for the rest of the commandments. It accomplishes a couple things. Uh, it reminds us that this is part of a covenant, that the commandments are way, the way that God reaches out to us to initiate a life-giving relationship. It also reminds us of the context that this was given to a people who've lived for more than a generation as slaves. And these words, these ten words from God, help enable them to organize and form a society where every person can thrive in relationship with God and with one another. Today we're going to focus on the commandment, you will have no other gods before me. It's one of those commandments that I mentioned last week kind of overlap. To have another gods before me is very much connected with the command to not make an idol for yourself. We'll say more about that next week. So just consider this message part one of a two-part sermon. Now most Bible experts agree the Hebrews who wandered in the wilderness were better described as henotheist than monotheist. Henotheism is the worship of one God without denying the existence of other gods. They believed the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the one who came to Moses in that burning bush, was a God above all other gods. But remember, their God defeated the gods of the Egyptians. Later, Elijah would do battle with the Baal gods of the Canaanites. To the early Hebrews, these other gods were, were very real. They just didn't measure up to the more powerful God who brought them out of Egypt and demanded exclusive worship. Israel wouldn't embrace a strict monotheism for probably another 700 years when they came out of the Babylonian exile. But early on, the Israelites could see that their God was different than the gods that surrounded them. The God of the Israelites did not dwell in things, but rather communicated through them. God did not live in the burning bush that spoke to Moses, but God's presence was experienced in it. Then God told them to make a sanctuary for them. And God did not dwell in the sanctuary, but rather among them. God's presence was felt through their worship, not the physical location. Making this even harder for the Israelites to grasp was that when God came to Moses in that burning bush, he didn't really have a name. Remember when Moses spoke to God and asked them that when the Hebrews asked for what, who it is that has sent him, what shall I say? And God's answer was, tell them, I am 
who I am. That's not a name. Even faithful Jews today, when they write about God, they put capital G dash D because they don't want to actually write that sacred name. It's out of respect for the God who's above all other gods. The most ancient people, the idea of a God who could not be represented or worshipped in some physical form was really unimaginable. Even the Israelites failed on that matter. While Moses was away at Mount Sinai, they started pulling together their valuables and they melted them into gold to form a golden calf to serve as an object of worship. And God didn't really appreciate that very much at all. So I share all this because my guess is that most of us tend to think this first commandment doesn't really apply to us. It was a word from God given to a superstitious people who cherished their idols as good luck charms. We've been born and raised in a world that can believe in a God big enough to be Lord of all. We assume that because we believe in one true God, that we have no other gods. I would contend that just as it took these ancient Hebrews a while to grow in their understanding of God from their henotheism to a strict monotheism, we probably need to ask ourselves if we are truly as sophisticated as we think we are when it comes to our concept of God. We can debate whether our challenges are with idols or other gods. In the end, we might be talking about the same thing. I hope that you'll come away today with the understanding that it is really hard to let God be God in our life, to be Lord of our life. An idol or another God is anything that ends up taking the place of the one true God who cared enough for all of us to send his son, Jesus Christ, into this world to show us the ways of God and make God fully known to us. You know, we've got a great example of Jesus confronting a false god in somebody's life in the New Testament, in the 10th chapter of the Gospel of Mark. Do you remember that story where the man runs up and kneels before Jesus and asks, what must I do to obtain eternal life? You remember Jesus' answer? He refers to the Ten Commandments that we're talking about. He says, you know the commandments, and of course the man would, because every faithful Jew did. And Jesus names the ones that have to do with how we treat one another. Don't commit murder. Don't commit adultery. Don't steal. Don't give false testimony. Don't cheat. Honor your father and mother. And that man enthusiastically says, I have kept all these things since I was a boy. And Jesus looked at him carefully. And he says to him, and note that it says Jesus loved him. He goes on to say, you are lacking one thing. Go. Sell everything you have and give the money to the poor. Then you'll have treasure in heaven and come follow me. Don't miss that point. Jesus was inviting this man to trust him enough to come follow him. This wasn't Jesus telling him to go and prove something to God. This wasn't some abstract act of faithfulness. Jesus wanted him to be one of his disciples to sign up for adventure like he had never experienced before. But the man was sad because he had many possessions. The wealth that he had obtained was more important to him than following Jesus. Is there any doubt who his God was? It was his need for security that took the place of God in his life. So how do we know if we have a false God? 
False gods can be so subtle, and sometimes they're very good things, sometimes even wholesome things, that take the place of God in our life. When I googled what are our gods today, I came across an article titled The Top Seven Idols in America. The article also had a caption, Americans are fundamentally polytheist with these idols in America worshiping at the shrines of many gods. Let me share that list with you without commentary. The list is ranked in reverse order. So number seven is national security. Number six is money, riches, and wealth. Number five is guns. Number four, the automobile. Number three, fame and celebrity. Number two, collegiate sports. And number one is professional sports. I invite you to read the article. It's got some interesting commentary that backs up this list. I'll say more about these maybe next week, but here's the important thing. If you felt defensive as I read any of these items, it might be a clue that you're no different than that man who came to Jesus and got on his knees wanting to know what he must do to obtain eternal life. It might be a clue that the commandment to have no other gods before me is something we should ponder. So please come back next week as we continue this discussion and focus on the making of idols. Good morning. Welcome again to Noblesville First. I'm Matt Hantelman, one of the pastors here at Noblesville First, and I'm glad you've joined us this morning. Last week, I talked about how I would be framing all the commandments through the lens of love God and love others. So I invite you to keep that in mind as we dive into this first commandment of you must have no other gods before or besides me. The cultures around the Israelites had gods for everything. Gods of harvest, fertility, rain, land, water, fish, trees, hunger, anything you could think of, there was a god who could help if you could offer the right sacrifices. And as you would travel from town to town, you would even encounter new gods that those towns worshipped, new temples for whatever you needed. And so this command to the Israelites is God saying to them, don't ascribe my love or justice or power to any of these lesser deities you might encounter. I would say that we don't really connect with this as much today. We've moved into a primarily monotheistic culture where we start to recognize that all of those little g gods were simply the smallest glimpses of Yahweh, of God, the one true God. Because the one true God is the God of all of those things, of, of harvest and fertility and rain and sea and all of those things all at once. But we also have a small glimpse of who God truly is. Because the vastness and the deepness and the immeasurableness of God can cause us to then to partition God into bite-sized chunks for easy consumption. It reminds me of a parable of blind men and an elephant. It's typically attributed to Buddhism, but has examples in many Eastern religions. And it goes like this. 
A group of blind men heard that a strange animal, called an elephant, had been brought to the town, but none of them were aware of its shape and form. Out of curiosity, they said, we must inspect it and know it by touch, of which we are capable. So they sought it out, and when they found it, they touched it. The first person whose hand landed on the trunk said, this being is like a thick snake. For another one whose hand reached its ear, it seemed like some sort of fan. As for another person whose hand landed on its leg, he said, the elephant is a pillar like a tree trunk. The blind man who placed his hand upon its side said, the elephant is a wall. Another who felt its tail described it as a rope, and the last felt its tusk, stating the elephant is that which is hard and smooth like a spear. In some versions of the parable, the men then realize their discrepancies, and they come to blows over it, saying that the others are lying or, or they're wrong. But we are aware that God's vastness is too much to comprehend, that we can never truly know the limits or edges of God. The problem, the way that we today might break this commandment, is when we partition off our God as the real God, which is not their God, which is the wrong God. The our God piece becomes a shrunken, smaller piece of the ultimate whole. It's like the man who touched the leg and said, no, God is not like a fan or a thick snake or a wall. It's like a tree trunk. But God is all of those things, an ultimate whole. And our small glimpse of God isn't wrong then, as long as we remain open to learning new things and realizing we may have to unlearn other things. At Thursday Worship, the discussion led us to agree that a big part of this is about speaking from our own experience and knowledge without discounting the experience and knowledge of others. Realizing that we all come from different places and coming together to listen and learn and grow together should be what we strive for. For me, in my own study and growth in knowledge of God, I try to use language that's open-ended instead of limiting, that leaves room for my own misunderstanding or lack of knowledge in light of what I know. I start from some fundamental things that I believe, and I build slowly, realizing that at any moment I may have to dismantle what I've built as I learn new things. In Thursday Worship, our motto is, God is love. Everything else is debatable. And I truly believe that. Practically every facet of theology that I've studied has varied beliefs and theories throughout history and continuing today. Even things as fundamental to Christianity as the death and resurrection of Jesus are heavily debated in their meaning and their purpose. Which means I need to be very careful whenever I say something that might be limiting of God. Phrases that start with, God won't allow, and God doesn't like, or God would want, are things that I've said, in the ease with, said with ease in the past. And really try to not be so quick to say anymore because then I run the risk of shrinking God into a deity that lines up with my own beliefs. Anne Lamott put it this way, 
you can safely assume that you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people you do. As we walk through these commandments, we need to remember that God is bigger than them. God is bigger than our understanding. God is bigger than the limitations we put in place to claim that we grasp the bigness of God. We said that these commands framed in love God, love others, should always expand love, always expand community which means the big G God, the ultimate God, is bigger than our bias. And if Yahweh, the one true God, is love, then anything we ascribe to God should also be based on that idea. So if the God we serve is more like a genie that is just there to give us whatever we ask for, then we serve a little g God that we've put before the one true God. If the God we serve only created some of creation in God's image and the rest is not actually worthy of love, then we serve a little g God that we've put before the one true God. If the God we serve despises homosexuals or any marginalized group, then we serve a little g God that we have put before the one true God. If the God we serve discounts the value of black lives or immigrants or anyone else, then we serve a little G God that we have put before the one true God. If the God we serve is okay with caging children because of American ideals, then we serve a little G God that we have put before the one true God. And I realize that essentially what I'm asking of you today is that you become less sure about what you know about God. But I think that's a good idea. Reclaiming the vastness of God and recognizing just how big endless truly is can and should lead us to worship God all the more. An unfathomable, unknowable God who loves you is an incredible thing and gives credence to having no other gods before the one true God. Amen.
Now may God the Father prepare your journey. Jesus the Son guide your footsteps. The Spirit of life strengthen your body. The three in one watch over you on every road that you may follow. Amen. Go. Cool.